morning. I'm just going to clear a few of these pens off just to make myself a little bit of space. Uh, it's good to be together. It is good to be uh, sharing. It is good to be uh, receiving. I think what's amazing about worship is that it's that two-way conversation, isn't it? As much as we are connecting with God, He's connecting with us. Yeah, and we come into His presence, and when we offer ourselves, then there's a conversation. How many of you were praying, uh, singing the words, praying the words, or even while singing the words, you're actually thinking about something else, right? You're processing something. Maybe you're dealing with something with God. Maybe you're doing an exchange with Him. I know I was like that. Happens, doesn't it? You we get into His presence. Worship takes us somewhere, and sometimes actually we realise my mouth's moving the words, but actually my brain is. I'm doing a deal with God. I'm I'm in prayer. I'm in receiving. I'm I'm unloading. He's downloading something, and it's just a great a great time. So we are continuing our series called Feeling Biblical. Um, so far, worry, doubt, peace. Last week I did grief. Not an easy one to cover, but definitely worth uh, looking at together. This morning we've got hope, and then next week there's one more joy just to cover this little season off. These, that is not all the feelings and emotions you've ever experienced, church family, right? There are more. I think the point is, and hopefully the story through this for you will be, that actually in any of the things that we go through in life and those experiences that we have, what's God's view on them? What does the Bible say about them? How can I use it well? How can it be maybe a danger to me? How does God use it? How did Jesus use that emotion? Do I see him using it? How did he use it? Because he never got it wrong. I actually forgot to mention last week, just talking about grief. When I, somehow in my notes, I skipped over talking about Jesus uh, weeping at Lazarus's grave or weeping over Jerusalem. A couple of times where Jesus just, the emotion and the, and the feeling just overwhelmed him. And it was definitely worth just pointing that out this morning as we start. That, you know, he has gone before us and experienced so many of the things that we've experienced. And so, we can do these emotions well. They can also take us to places we shouldn't go. They can take us to dark places, difficult places. We can get stuck in them and need to be brought through them. So that's definitely worth being aware of. But hope, good one. All right, let's go. So as you will hopefully discover, no pun intended, but there'll be a lot of that through this, okay, this morning, hope has similar properties to joy. When we, uh, when we were looking at grief, uh, we were discovering that actually, the, although the, bi- the, the dictionary would, op- would say that grief and joy were opposites, actually what we were discovering that joy was a fruit of the Spirit last week, and although I can't speak on joy too much because it's next week that we're actually covering it properly, it was worth understanding that joy was constant, and even in grief, it's something that would hold us from going too deep in grief. That underpinning knowledge of the goodness of God, that joy in the Lord is our strength, was an underpinning. So rather than being two opposite spectrums, actually as Christians, there is a supernatural, spirit-filled joy that we can hold to all the time, even in grief, to help us. Yes? Good. Hope is similar, and that's worth realizing just as we start this off. So, the dictionary definition of hope says a feeling of expectation and desire for a particular thing to happen. I had high hopes of getting a new job, might be something that we express. So, to some extent, how the world would see hope is a is a possibility of an outcome, okay? And I think most of us would go, oh, yeah, yeah, I've got a hope for something. Well, I'm hoping to travel to London, but what happens if the train strikes or my car breaks down or the plane I was going to catch gets delayed? Maybe, uh, maybe I get ill and can't make it. My intention is to get somewhere. I put a hope in that with an expectation based on the realities of what I know might get in the way. But there's a, in all good reason, I should get to London. However, it's not an absolute, is it? And when we talk about hope so often, it's not a defined will 
absolutely, I've got a hope in something that's absolutely going to happen. A similar uh, word to use for that sense of hope might be an aspiration or a desire, a wish or an expectation, an ambition, an aim that I'm aiming for, or a plan that I have to do something. And in that, it would be that type of hope. The consensus from most dictionary definitions is that hope is a feeling of expectation, a desire or a wish for a certain thing to happen. Hope in the Bible, we will discover this morning, is different. A biblical definition of hope takes this to a different level. Hope is an expectation with certainty of who God is and that he will do what he has said. When we hope in God, it's an absolute. It's not a possibility, it's a given. There's still a journey to go on, but we'll get there. If God said to me, you will go to London, where will I end up, church family? London. There may be delays, there may be things that get in the way, but now it's a different journey, right? Straight off the bat, God has said, you're going to London. That's no longer, I, I can carry that as a hope expectation, but I carry it differently. I carry it with a, it will happen, he has spoken it. And God, as we will discover, does not lie. All right, amen? Okay, so let's just unpack this together because this is really important. I hope you see the difference between hope that we use in our everyday language and as we start to unpack this, the hope that we have in God, which is a different thing. Okay, let's discover this. Hebrews chapter 6. Uh, I'll see if my next slide... There it is, I've got it there. Um, we'll uh, read it together. I think I've put uh, 13 to 20, but I've only put 17 to 19 on the screen. So if you want to look at the whole section, and I'll read it here, um, the whole this piece. So Hebrews chapter 6, verse 13. When God made his promise to Abraham, since there was no one greater for him to swear by, he swore by himself saying, I will surely bless you and give you many descendants. After so waiting patiently, Abraham received what was promised. God swore by the greatest thing that there was to swear by, himself. Okay. People swear by someone greater than themselves, and the oath confirms what is said and puts, it, uh, puts the end to all argument. Because God wanted to make the unchanging nature of his purpose very clear to the heirs of what was promised, he confirmed it with an oath. God did this so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled to take hold of the hope that is set before us can be greatly encouraged. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where our forerunner Jesus has entered. On our behalf, he has become the high priest forever of the order of Melchizedek. If I'd read that bit of scripture before, I probably would have concentrated on that whole Jesus being the high priest going behind the curtain bit. I probably wouldn't have necessarily noticed so much the truths of hope that are being unpacked. I've underlined a couple of things. It says that uh, God did this by two things. I think the two things are this. His unchanging nature and purpose, who he is, and then uh, his word. It's impossible for God to lie. The two truths that God sealed that promise to, um, to Abraham were from these two incredibly important things. He is never changing and unchanging. Uh, he is always who he is, always will be, beginning, middle, and end. God is and in his, he is completely stable, completely unchanging, focused, total. And what he says goes to some extent. Got me? Perfect God, never lies. So those two things are two evidences that this was going to happen. Um, that, that promise that was promised to Abraham, uh, that he had to wait patiently to receive, but would happen. Now, it's given to us to, to be greatly encouraged to take hold of this understanding that there is a hope that we can have when we understand who God is and what he said. 
put those two things together, it becomes an absolute, okay? In fact, who he is is always an absolute. What he says is always an absolute. Stick them together, you just sort of like, it's that thing where you sort of take infinity and times it by infinity. What you get? Infinity? I don't Infinity squared? I don't know. It's like the maths doesn't work, does it? It's an absolute with an absolute. It's just more absolute, okay? It doesn't, doesn't, get, doesn't get watered down or changed, does it? It doesn't get any less. Let's look at this a little bit further. We can take this to be the stability, the baseline for everything that we're going to be doing, okay? God is God. He underpins all things. So how often is God described as the rock? Yeah? The rock. He is the solid ground. He is the base. He is what everything else gets built onto. It's that final underpinning uh, point in us. And so let's just find a few places where that is that description. Psalm 18, and I've just picked out verse 2, verse 31, and verse 36. Um, Psalm 18, the psalmist is writing, The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God is my rock, in whom I take refuge. My shield, the horn of my salvation. For who is God beside the Lord, and who is the rock except our God? The Lord lives. Praise be to my rock. Exalted be my God, my Savior. That rockness of God is partly because of what we know about him, this unchanging, unfailing, always consistent God that we have, who is always the same today, yesterday, and forever, and that what he speaks is always truth and can be relied upon. So his word is perfect. And so he becomes this rock in the psalmist's mind that regardless of what else is going on, and you'll find this through a lot of the psalms and a lot of the, the, the explanations, regardless of what is going on, that stability, that consistency, that hope in who he is, underpins, 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 underpins all the way through. Okay, let's look at it again. Uh, David in Psalm 131 says this, and this is the whole of Psalm 131. It's a nice little diddy one, but he gets it all in a little paragraph. My heart's not proud, Lord. My eyes are not haughty. I don't concern myself with great matters or things too wonderful for me. But I have calmed and quieted myself. I'm like a weaned child with its mother. Like a weaned child, I am content. Israel, put your hope in the Lord both now and forevermore. How has he become that so calm like a child that has got a full tummy? You know that? You've seen babies when they're just loaded with food, right? And they kind of go, it's that food coma thing. You probably experience it as an adult after a big meal, right? You're like, oh, I'm out. Like, just there's a calmness. There's a, there's a fullness, there's a peacefulness, there's an overwhelmedness of like, I have got all I need right now. I'm warm, I'm well-fed, I'm well-loved, I'm protected. And he gives the context for that at the bottom. Hope in God. Put your hope there, and that is what it feels like. That's what it can be for you. That's where the establishment of that becomes true. Who else do we describe... Uh, who else do we find described in Scripture as a, a, this in a very, very uh, similar way? Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 10 to 11. By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder, and someone else is building on it, but each one should build with care, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. Jesus, who is God, the foundation, the rock, the underpinning of everything else that we build on, the established hope that will never fail, 
that whatever, and this is Paul writing going, look, I'm building onto this understanding, and others will build as well, and that's good. And he, he must have got that sense of like, as I'm getting downloads from the Holy Spirit, and I'm unpacking and revealing, as I'm discovering, I am building layers into the truth, but it never removes the foundation. And I will add layers carefully, and others will add layers as they come to understanding, but we together are building onto the foundation, the rock, the stability that is Jesus, exactly the same as we talk about who God is. All right. Brilliant. Okay, I think we've nailed that one home, so we'll move forward. To access, uh, the access we have to the promises of God are because Jesus has made a way for us to connect with God and receive his blessing. The Christian believer who has chosen to accept Jesus' forgiveness for their sins and come into relationship with God now inherits the promises that God has made to those who believe in him. Therefore, hope is in fact a state that we inherit in God's goodness, and we need to grow in understanding of it to, to allow it to become uh, a, the more full part of our life. That life and life to the full is an ongoing journey, isn't it? It's one thing to it's suddenly inherit all the goodness of God at our salvation. It's another thing to understand it, unpack it, and apply it. All the hope now is found in God, but there's still a journey of us discovering that and realizing where we're putting false hope and where we've maybe put hope previously, where we got lost maybe in hope, maybe we've struggled through uh, a, a loss of hope or, or that overwhelming sort of like we've given up um, times, you know, how to now process those knowing who Jesus is. Yeah? We suddenly gain Jesus. We gain all the, all the wonder that is heaven and all its goodness, but there is a journey to go on to unpack that and to uh, carry it with us. Okay. Although we inherit this, now we can learn to replace our previous frail hopes in luck or our own ability with the absolute hopes found in God, who is our rock and our foundation. Um, I looked to see what the opposite of hope was, and the first thing you want to go is it's hopelessness, right? Just put a nussness on the end of it or an unhope or something, you know. Let's just make the, the positive into a negative. Actually, the, Bi uh, the Bible, the dictionary describes the opposite as despair. It's going from uh, having hope to ultimately actually despair is no hope. It's no hope with a, a squared, isn't it? It's no hope with a whole load of no hopelessness like a whole load of actually overwhelmedness. So think of despair a bit like grief. It can carry the emotions like grief, can't it? It can be overwhelming. It can be deep. It can be difficult. To despair is to lose all hope and be in that place where there is no way out, where you see no change possible ahead. You have lost all hope, and that's a really powerful thing. It's a powerful thing because it's a dangerous place that we can go as, uh, as Christians. It's also something that the world can find itself in because it does not have the hope in Christ. Okay? You can meet your friends at work or your colleagues or family members or somebody on your street or somebody that you come and literally meet somebody who is in despair, who is burdened to a place that they just can't get through. You, before becoming to Christ, may have experienced that at times. I think as Christians, it can be always knocking at our door as something that we could find ourselves in if we're not careful. But actually, if we keep making sure we keep our focus in hope, even in difficult times, as we'll discover, we don't have to go into despair. We can walk in hope in difficult times and seasons. Okay. 
We find this in Psalm 42. There's literally this conversation going on as the psalmist is trying to unpack these emotions. And again, I've just put up um, not all of it. I'm going to read all of it, I think. I'll just take it straight out of my Bible here this morning just so we get the sound and the feel. I found this image of, um, of somebody underwater. or something. It's an image taken from underwater, right? The bubbles are coming up. The hope is the sky above. That's where the oxygen is. That's where the sun is, the warm sun is, and you find yourself under the water. You find yourself under the oppression of the, of the grief of the season you're in, but you are looking for that hope. I'll ask this question. Do you just stay there staring up, or do you start to swim? What do you do, church family? You start to swim, don't you? You put application into that hope that you can see. There's a hope before me. I'm in a difficult place. What do I do? Tread water, stay where I am, sink deeper, or start to express and go forward? Keep that image in mind as we look at this together. I'll read Psalm 42. As the deer longs for streams of water, so I long for you, O God. I thirst for God, the living God. Where can I go and stand before him? Day and night I have only tears for food, while my enemies continually taunt me, saying, Where is your God? My heart is breaking as I remember how it used to be. I walked amongst the crowds of worshippers, leading a great procession to the house of God, singing for joy and giving thanks amid the sound of great celebration. Why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my Savior and my God. Now I am deeply discouraged, but I will remember you, even from the distant Mount Hermon and the source of the Jordan and from the land of Mount Mizar. I hear the tumult of the raging seas as your waves and surging tides sweep over me. But each day the Lord pours his unfailing love upon me, and though each night I sing his songs, praying to God who gives me life. O God, my rock, I cry, why have you forgotten me? Why must I wander around in grief, oppressed by my enemies? Their taunts break my bones, their scoffs. Where is this God of yours, they say? Why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my saviour and my God. The psalmist is literally having that conversation. I know how I feel. I know the situation around me. I'm feeling oppressed, but I know who he is. I know that he's singing over me. I know that his love through the day is always there for me. I will put my hope back in him. I know I've had those experiences where I was surrounded by worshippers and it was awesome and we were walking up to the temple, but right now I've got scoffers and people coming at me, telling me, where's your God, where's your God, what's going on in your world? Like, he's missing, he's missing, isn't he? I will take my hope in him. I will tell my, it's a conversation with himself to go, come on soul, come on my spirit, where are you at? Come and connect again, come and find my truth and my rock, as he describes again in who God is. Hope requires application at times we need to be reminded. We need to build on our hope, apply our hope, hear fresh stories of hope, as well as holding to the promises in Scripture that give us hope. In that image, it's to look up and go, ah, right, I've fallen in, I'm going down, there's my hope, there's the sky, let's application, application, let's push into the hope, I'm going for the hope, next thing you know, heads above water, what happens next, where's the boat, where's the boat, application, there's my next hope, my hope is to get to that boat, get to the boat, get in the boat, what's your next thing, where's the land, there it is, oars, outboard motor, whatever it is, application, now I'm heading, I'm rowing in, I'm rowing in, I'm rowing in, I'm taking each step, 
I'm looking for each hope, I'm looking for each promise, and I'm working forward in it to get myself through this period, through this season, through this time that I am um, journeying in. Let's just um, look at this one more time. Uh, Romans chapter 5. I think I've got it all on there. It's just, it's five, Romans chapter 5, yeah, 1 to 5. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access to faith into this grace for which we now stand, and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. We boast in the hope of the glory of God. We're boasting in our hope. We can do that because of who he is. I can boast in God. God's amazing. I should boast in God. I'm not going to boast in anything. I'm not going to boast in me or my ability or even somebody else's ability. I'm going to boast in God and who he is. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts with the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Here's the journey. No one said at times, you're not going to be a difficult situation. God was pretty clear. Jesus was pretty clear, right? There are times where things will come against you. There are times where it will be difficult. In this world, you will have trouble, okay? Those times come. Now, what do I do with those times? I persevere into the hope that I know I have in God. And in that journey, as uncomfortable as that read is, I can take hope that I will build character as I go through that journey. It's not a nice experience sometimes. It can be painful. It can be difficult. It can be demoralizing. It can be challenging, but it can be growing, and it can always be hopeful when we look at it with God in our eyes. We look to him and say, God, what are you doing now? How do I walk this season out? If I got myself here and it's my fault, I apologize. How do I get myself out? If the world has put me here and I've been honoring you, God, and I don't know what's going on right now, how do you lead me out? Like Whatever the circumstances, it's the same application, right? God, I find myself in this place. I find myself with this oppression. I find myself in this difficult thing. I find myself where I am. I find myself loaded with something I can't handle or carry. It's too big. It's too difficult. Where am I going next? Into the glory because it produces perseverance, perseverance, character, character, hope, and hope doesn't put us to shame. I will hope in my God. I will hope in his eternal destiny. I will hope in his plans for me. I will hope that he knows what he's up to. Uh, He is my all. Whatever else is going on, that's where I'm going. I'm pushing into that hope. And there are obviously, through Scripture, and we'll read a bunch out in a bit, there are, I think that's 7,000 promises of God if you go through. Some of them repeat the same one. But there are a mass of God's conversation to us as his church, yeah? Both sort of individually as his people, to his, the promises he's made to his church, the promises he's made about his kingdom, the promises he's made about heaven and earth being restored, the promises he's made, the promises he's made, the promises he's made. Start looking, church, you'll find them. What can I do with them? Are they, are they happening right now? Some are in progress, some are ahead, but all can I hope in? All can I hope in and, and, and take life in? All of them. Okay. Let's keep moving. I'm going to just, as quickly as I can, bring us into land. There's a piece of um, scripture that I love, 1 Corinthians 13, 13, and it says, these three remain, faith, hope, love. But the greatest of these is love. Um, We know that God is love, so of course the greatest is love. 
It's who he is, not just what he has. It's who he is. We find that in 1 John 4, 16. And so we know and we rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever loves, uh, lives and loves God is in them and God is in them. But there's also this other relationship going on. These three great things, we've also got faith and hope. And again, let's just, I just want very quickly and briefly unpack that faith and hope relationship that I think it's worth us um, holding on to. Is that what I want? I think that's what I want. Okay. There's the first one, great hope and love. And Hebrews uh, verse 11, verse 1 says, uh, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1 says this, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance of what we do not say. If, uh, if hope is the destination, faith is the journey. Okay? Faith's the car you're in. Faith's the travel that, you travel that you're on. And hope is the destination. We're back into that application I'm in the water, I'm under the water, I have hope to get to the surface. I've seen it, it's available to me, it's a promise above me. What's my faith? To swim, to put the application in. Now I'm going to push in, now I'm going to apply faith, now I'm going to take steps that actually don't evidence any change necessarily. I might look like I'm, I am where I was, or still I am underwater for a period of time, but I am going in the direction of the hope that's been set before me. Does that make sense? If hope is before me and faith is the evidence of that unseen hope, then it's the outworking, the physicalness of what we're doing. It's what we're up to now as we push into the hopes that are set before us, the hopes that we know are going to be ours. It's why we bother to build kingdom as church family. Why? Because we believe God's kingdom is the greatest. We believe it will be all that we will see. It's coming in more fullness. It is what he is about I, I put application into it because I value it. I value it because God speaks of it and God's given me instruction about it and that's why I want to do it. Why do I want to build this kingdom? Because it's what he's about and I love him and I want to be what he's about, right? So am I necessarily doing it for my benefit? Or to some extent, I will benefit because God's kingdom is a good place. It's full of life. It's full of laughter. It's full of joy. It's full of growth and peace and restoration. It, if this land gets restored around us, do we all not receive the blessing? When people live in justice and mercy and peace and kindness and goodness to each other, how incredible. Crime, gone. Theft, gone. Drugs, alcohol problems, gone. Emotional things turned around. Restoration, families restored, children protected and raised well. You know, all the things that benefit. Businesses blooming because they are honoring to God and they are honoring to their employees and all those things that we know that will come as attitudes and character changes as the kingdom comes in and does its job. Yeah? Because that's what God's about, his kingdom. So why wouldn't I want a partner to build his kingdom? Because I've got a hope in his kingdom. So I go on the faith journey of praying and trying to work out which bit and at what time, and I go on that journey with God, and we go on that journey with God as the church to do that. <clears throat> God has revealed through the Bible his nature, his plans, his love, his grace, his justice, his provision, his promises. I'll just take a handful from Jesus just to give us some hopes that we can apply, okay? We can apply faith to, faith being the journey to get to the hope. Uh, there are too many, so I am just going to read a little list. I'm probably going to read it quite quick because uh, we're on time. Matthew 11, verse 28, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That 
is an absolute. It's an absolute because God spoke it. It's absolute because it's Jesus' words. He's God. He doesn't lie. It's an absolute. Now I can take that as a hope, and then I can apply faith to go into it. Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom to the captives, release of darkness to the prisoner. If you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you an advocate to help you and be with you forever. That is a hope I can have. Oh, if I love Jesus, I ask him to be in my life, he sends me the Holy Spirit. He says he will. And then I don't have to walk alone, ever. I never have to not walk with the, with the gift of God walking with me, with God being with me in every moment of my life. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and life to the full. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me uh, even, will live even after dying. Uh, yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. That is a hope we can have. You will produce much fruit if you remain in Jesus. You will. You will. It's a given. It's an absolute. He doesn't lie. You will produce much fruit. Do not, you, do not let your hearts be... Uh, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Do not... Your, do not uh, I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not, do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. And I'm going too fast for my mouth. <laughs> do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe in me also. My Father's house has many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. Amen? Come on, church. It's an absolute. It is a truth. There is a place being prepared for you. It is yours. It's got your name on the door. Yeah? It's got everything that you could ever want or imagine is experienced in there. Yeah? In the goodness of God. And it's prepared by Jesus, who is the intimate friend of your soul, who knows you, who knows you. So it's going to be perfect. Yeah? And it's ours as we hope for it and we apply faith in our lives to head towards it holding to the faith, running the race to win the prize. Amen? Amen. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. Come on, church. A few final thoughts. Our hope is based on the, this is a great word, the immutable uh, of God's word. The, it's unable to uh, change or be changed. It does not change. Our hope is in the word and who God is and what he speaks does not change. Our hope in Jesus that leads to salvation is assured, certain, and absolute. Our hope in Jesus is certain and absolute. They might have times of doubt. You know, am I really saved? Am I really there? Come on, church. God doesn't lie. Jesus said it's true. I have received it. I reapply hope. I reapply my faith. I push in. I push in. Faith is the active application of the hope that we hold. Trouble is still possible, but perseverance will build that hope. Yeah? Doesn't say it's going to always be easy. Doesn't say there aren't going to be times it's tough. Doesn't say there aren't going to be times that we struggle with it. But 
hold to the hope, do the application, go in faith, you will build, you will be built up, you will gain strength, and the hope will keep us there. We can't apply hope to all our wants, okay? Just for clarification, it's not everything that you want, it's everything that God wants for you, okay? Let's just put it back in perspective. Um, we need to be aware that when we apply a hope in our own heart, that it also lines up with Scripture. Uh, that is what God has got planned for us. Um, it's also his hope. If he's spoken a prophetic word over you, uh, then weigh it, check on it, and then apply it as a hope. If you go to Scripture with a prayer in your heart and say, Lord, would you, would you give me a promise from Scripture, and you find something and you feel the Holy Spirit gives it to you, okay, good. Then you apply hope to that, and you apply faith into that journey. God, I feel like you've given me something. I'm getting confirmation from other places. I'm now going to apply this process, and I'm going to go in faith with an expectation, yeah? But we're wise about it. It's not just, I really want something, and because I'm hoping for it, God, you're going to give it to me. Because God's going to go, actually, I know that's not good for you, what you want. Actually, you need to know what I want for you, and you need to apply my hopes to you first. You make sure that you line up with mine, uh, my my heart and my desire for you. And that can be that we have that season where it's hard and tough while we build character and we come through in that journey. That's just a little reminder proviso in this process. But if you go to Scripture, there are so many hopes, hopes for being part of the church. If you're in the church, there are hopes God has for his church. Beautiful bride, spotless, pure, perfect. The hopes of restoration, the hopes of the coming kingdom, the hopes of... of uh, of uh, growth and it being the biggest tree in the garden. So many hopes and personal ones as well. Obviously, there are points where God was talking to an individual in Scripture and promised them something. And sometimes you have to go, okay, was that promised for all mankind or just that individual? Just that individual, great. But it examples something of what God can do. But there are also times when he's talking to an individual about the goodness of God for all mankind. Then I want to grab that hope because he was telling that person something for me as well, because I'm part of that journey. And that's worth recognizing as you're reading your Bible. Yeah, weigh those things as you see them, church family. Brill, let's come down to the ground. Okay. Are you holding any despair that needs healing? Do you need a fresh hope in who God is and what he has promised? Do you have a hope that God has spoken to you about that you now need to take steps of faith and walk in? I'll give you a very brief example. A lovely couple, Craig and Karina, part of this church for a long time. Quite a few of you will know who they are. Um, Craig used to be on the leadership team, uh, prophetic guy, great gift, wonderful couple, two awesome daughters. Over a period of months, uh, or probably even a year or so, uh, God kept dropping seeds of prophetic and dreams about them traveling overseas. It's that first one that you get, uh, maybe it's a nothing, maybe it's just a funny dream, maybe it's just one person, a little bit skew going, I really feel like you're going like, to travel overseas. But they took it and they parked it and they start to apply a little bit of faith to it. Okay, God, well, we'll look out for more of these. Over a period of time, they gained enough to know God was speaking. Now what changes? They apply hope to it. God, you've said we're going overseas, and they got clarity down to it being New Zealand. That's as far overseas as you get from here, church family. You don't get any further overseas. It's literally, if you look at the planet, and England's like, you know, north-south. If England's up here, top of Europe, New Zealand is there. You might as well go through the core. It's the fastest route than going around the outside. You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't get any further. 
so there's a, a big old hope in this now. That's a challenge. They connect with a, an old friend of Craig's, I think it was, with a church out there that he was part of. Some relationship stuff starts to build. They keep applying faith steps in the hope that has been set before them. It hasn't happened yet. They, are not in New, they didn't just suddenly disappear up and reappear as a complete family in New Zealand. God spoke. They applied faith steps. What's it going to take to sell or rent our house? What are we going to do with traveling? What do we need for visas? How do we sort it out with the kids? What, uh, what plans do we need to make? What areas, like, what do we do for my work? What do we do for your work? Corinne's a dentist. Craig was in um, healthcare. Um, like, let's start looking at jobs situation in, in New Zealand. And God kept answering the prayers and the faith steps and completing that story to the point where they land as a family in New Zealand, they move into the house, they connect with the church that God's got for them and the work that they're going to be doing there, and now that thing is being completed. They're on another journey, they've got more to do, but that bit from that hope that was set before them and the faith they applied took them to a completion. Yeah? Now it becomes a promise that they can look back at and how good God is and how he led them through a journey. And not every step was easy, and things were complicated, and some stuff didn't work out the way they wanted, and you know, it was difficult to get bits done, and there were restrictions and, and pushbacks along the way, but they believed in the hope that was set before them, and they went for it. Has God spoken to you about something that you need to take steps of faith in, church family? Have you been sitting on a hope that he's been clear about, and you've thought, oh, I like that, but oh, I don't know what to do with it, I don't know what to do with it, and he's waiting for you to take faithful steps. Are you in a time of trial, and do you need God's help to persevere into his plans and build your hope? We stand. Um, Johnny, if maybe you want to just return, and we'll just have a final worship song. Let's pray this church family over ourselves. Let's be reminded this morning, we have an eternal hope. Amen? We have an eternal hope. The glory of God is set before us. It's ours because of our faith in Jesus. If you don't know that this morning, if you do not know that you can connect to the living God, you can have an eternal hope. You can have hope now in all situations and have God walk with you through every experience of life so you never have to walk alone in those experiences. If you don't know that, please come and see me afterwards and I'll talk to you about it and we'll pray. You just need to ask Jesus, who is God, the hope of the world, to come into your life and you can go on that journey. Church family, let's just pray. I, there will be something in your heart, your head, okay? God's spoken to you this morning. Either it's just a reminder you need to find some of those promises and apply hope to them. Or maybe it's um, a particular hope that you're aware of. Or maybe it's a season of grief that you never really processed out with God and put hope back into to turn that story around. Whatever it is this morning, take a minute. Um, if the prayer team, if one or two guys, they'll have lanyards on that say prayer. If they can be available, if you would like just to have someone minister to you, please go. It's good. We're here to be family together. Otherwise, let's pray, and then I'll just hand back to Johnny. Father God, this morning, Lord, we thank you that there's a fresh revelation in our hearts that your hope is eternal, uh, that your hope is an absolute. You are God. You are good. Your word is eternal, and it is life to us. And when we apply those things, you are the never-changing, eternal God, the maker of all things, and you speak life and life to the full. Jesus, your words are life. Jesus, your behavior and attitude is life. Jesus, your example is life. And when we take hope in those things that they can be a hope in our life and apply faith to them, we get to walk in them and experience them. And yes, they'll change us. And yes, they will 
challenge our character and they will challenge our attitude and they will take us on a journey. But Father God, it is a good thing and we trust and hope in you. Father God, this morning we remind our souls, take hope in God. My soul, take hope in God. My soul, take hope in God. My soul, my heart, my mind, my life, take hope in God. Holy Spirit, reignite and reimagine that for us. Bring us back into that revelation. And Father God, we want to walk now with you with hopeful expectation for whatever the next part of the journey is, that you'll work it out in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.